se le puede decir que es una persona porque ya está, de, está decidido la muerte para esa persona long time ago when I was serving a church as an assistant pastor I was serving a huge church mega church and there are, there's an event you know, once a year you know, to invite you know, many people especially non-believers to the church and at that moment I was serving the little children like the primary school children and the number of them was about 500. And we had 2,000 or 3,000 you know, children you know, for the special moment because we gave out a lot of gifts you know, for them. That is why a lot of people has come. But I told teachers that you know, do not give out gift any longer. And no matter who you will accept, you know, please don't let them go without the confirmation of salvation. And that event was not, you know, full, filled with a lot of children because we didn't give out a gift to the children. But a teacher of a certain class, and she let children you know, confess their faith and she explained about the baptism in the spirit and in so doing you know, you know we can confirm the children's salvation and then you know a teacher forgot to do you know to a certain child but you know, when the child is going back to home you know he had a car accident and he died so I asked the teacher you know, whether the child is saved or not. You know, so he was not. And then while he was, she was praying, you know, she saw a vision. And then to see the vision, she was crying because you know the child that she met with in the special event, you know, was not saved. And then after die, you know, he went up to hell. He go, he went down hell. You know, not, you know. So let's say, you know, I die, you know, while I'm doing my ministry in LA. But you know, I don't feel sorry about that. Because, you know, at any rate, I will be lifted up to the glory of God. So to live or to die is not a problem for me. But if you do not encounter with God, if you don't have the life of God, and your life will you know, ultimately end, you know, if you die today. And Moody from Chicago, and he was about to die. And many people wanted to meet with D.L. Moody you know, before he died. But you know, he didn't let anyone you know, to come into his hospital. But he met with just one person. And he was the person to which he was evangelizing for his life, through his life. But you know, he didn't accept Jesus yet at that moment. So D.L. Moody was wanting to meet with him. So a person you know, who came into D.L. Moody, you know, his hospital, you know, he asked to Moody you know, whether he wanted to 
Why? Why he wanted to meet with me? And Buddhist answer was like, you know, I can, you know, see all of the person in the heaven, but you will not be able to meet with me in heaven unless others you accept Jesus. So that person you know, accepted salvation in that place and in, in that moment. So to meet with God is the most urgent thing in your life. To solve the problem of eternity is the most important thing throughout your life. So what's the, the most important you know, issue in your faith life? And it's that you, know, you forget too often about the issue of eternity. What God gives us is about eternity. All are connected to eternity. So the life that we refer to is the eternal life and the spirit is eternal forever and the blood of Jesus is going to be everlasting. So for the children of God, they can, their life is meaningless if they are not you know, focusing on the matter of eternity. So you know, that's why it's so dangerous to you know, live by the spirit of religion. And spirit of religion is about your behavior, your work. And there's no eternal life there. So if the church does not live by the spirit of God, you know, you know suddenly, in a certain moment, you know, they will be influenced by the spirit of religion. And then you know, the problem of eternity will not be solved to you. Why the, the saints in the early church, why they desire the, the second coming of Jesus? Because they knew that the life on earth is not real. But you know, they knew that you know, their life on earth is kind of procedure you know, through which you can go up to heaven that you will in, rejoice in eternal life. But the many people of this world, they think about the money they have. You know, they think about their achievement. You know, in English, you know, they focus on heaven done, the issues of heaven done, you know, what you have, what you can do and how great you are on earth from people's point of view. So all are the kind of the issues about what you've done, what you are working, and what you have. So that's not something eternal. It doesn't have any connection to the kingdom of God. Let's say one person went up to heaven, you know, holding or, I mean, carrying the gold that he has on on earth, but the angels, in the gate of heaven, they were asking what you are having in your hand, and then he answered that this is gold that I've, I've, I've owned you know throughout my life on earth. And then the angels were replying, "Then why, why did you bring that useless stone? You know, because you know the goals are spread away, spread around. You know, heaven. You know that it's like a stone. You know, in heaven, so it's, it's useless." It, and, but what is important is that, you know, who you are and what kind of relationship you are having with God. So we are eternal beings. And then that is valuable for you. So if you lose eternal life, and that's the end. So why are you here? In order that you can be flourishing in this world? But when the kingdom comes, 
know, you have to be standing glorious before God. That is the only purpose that you are here. So please don't forget about this timetable. That is why we have to meet with God even this moment. Moment by moment, continuously, you have to meet with God. And then you have to confirm eternal life in you. And then that is about your faith life. You are trusting in God, and then you live by faith, not by works of the law. So that's why the Bible says, the righteous shall live by faith. You know, please don't worry about what to eat, what to wear, you know, what to have. So our life is not something that we have to live, but He will live for us throughout our life. And he said that design the story of so your stories of your life already. And then with God, with fellowship with God, you will reach the best of best that God has designed for you. You know, for me, now I haven't you know decided to become you know, a pastor throughout my life, but you now God has a plan for me to become a pastor. But uh, I, I don't become, I didn't become a pastor by force, but, you know, he came to me that I can be a pastor. In the same way, when you receive the plan of God, you know, you will become a certain person that God has designed for you. So everything should go according to God's plan. When you live according to the plan of God, your life should be glorious. And God's decision for your life is to make you enter into the glory. Maybe many of you are still young, so you may not be you know, able to understand this, but you know, the people in my age, when we look back my life, you know, I have not done anything, but you know, what I have achieved is because of Him, because of Him, because of His love. And I just respected the reign of God, and I tried to live by God. So in my age, I can, you know, at this moment, I can enter into the glory of God. What does it mean? And my life is not bound to something that Babylonian system is giving to me. Like, you know, I don't suffer money any longer. I don't suffer you know, because of certain person. No, no, no not in a single you know, issues in this world cannot you know, make me suffer. So it's been 33 years for me to live with God. And I have recognized the stories of God you know, that has been designed for me, and I took it you know, with faith. I received it you know, with faith. So that is why, in my age, at this time, I can enter into the glory of God. And demon is not promoting to me anymore. And I have not been afraid of demons for the last 33 years. So it's not kind of special and limited to me. If you are children of God, and God has planned for each single person. But if you don't encounter with God, the thing will not be happen to you. And then you will continue to live on your own. And then in the end stage of your life, you will suffer, you know, from you know, all these you know, bondages like you know, money and person 
and your children, you know, all will be elements that will make you suffer, and that will be the end of your life, but that's not the will of God for you. So, in order not to be like that, you, know, you have to encounter with God first, and receiving eternal life from Him. And then you have to be under His dominion. And it is to live by faith. So like in Ecclesiastes, It is said that you have to acknowledge your Creator God before you are, you know, lamenting that there's no joy in your life. So, you know, it's very important for you, you know, to be in, you know, this moment and this time. And then, you know, as a young adult, you can do anything if you are in God. But, you know, Unless you met with God, you know, there will be a moment that you will be totally powerless and you will be you know, desperate. You know, without God, you cannot solve any problems you know, throughout your life. But this is the time for you to meet with God. So please meet with God in this in the time, in this moment. So that's the reason that this conference is so much important for you. So let's deal with the issue of righteousness and faith you know, for this moment. So let's look at Hebrews 11:8. It said that by faith Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance. So, in the moment of salvation, what happened to you is that you know that God is calling you, and everything you know happens immediately and at the same time. But you know, logically speaking, you no. Know, in the first stage, you are allowed to meet with Him, meet with Him. But you know, in order to meet with Him. God has given you, you know, righteousness. So the event that you have experienced in the day of salvation, and I'm going to make it sure, and like Jeremiah 33, 31, 31, 33, and the word of God has come into you so that you can be called as beings of the new covenant. Like the Israelites was able to encounter with God uh, through old covenant, but now through the new covenant you are encountering with God, which is tremendous. And from the Jewish point of view, the word of God came into a human being. It's, it's something impossible, but you know, the word of God has come to you. That's the first thing that happened to you. You know, when you are saved. You know, for me, I haven't gone to church, went to church, gone to church, you know, for last 28 years before I met with God. But as soon as I met with God, I began to preach. How is it impossible? How is it possible? Because I became the being of the new covenant. Because the word of God has come into me. And my wife is my witness. And in the day of, you know, as soon as I met with God, I, I began to preach, you know, it shows that you are the beings of the new covenant. So that's why we call Jesus as a, the mediator of new covenant. 
So in the relationship of the new covenant, you are confirmed as, you are guaranteed as a children of God. And in this moment, you have one privilege. You are allowed to come to the presence of God, who is the king of the kings. And that is about righteousness. So when you come before the presence of God, and like you know, Hebrews, book of Hebrews, and Jesus as a mediator, he, he is guaranteeing you before the Lord, saying that I have pleaded for him. Please listen to his prayer. So Jesus is now you know, bringing you the presence of God. And in Romans 8, Paul says the same thing. You are supported, you are guaranteed by the Jesus because you have the word of God in Jesus. And in Ezekiel 33, 26 and 7, and what happened to you is that and the Spirit of God began to live in you. And that is something impossible from Jewish point of view either. How the Spirit of God came into me. And in Corinthians 3.16, and Romans Corinthians 2.11, and God, the Spirit of God made a tabernacle in you, which means that He created a sanctuary in you. That you know, he came to you as glory, like in the prophecy of Malachi, and the glory of God came to me, and like the prophecy in Isaiah 4, and I became a tabernacle of God. Like Israelites were guided by the pillar of flame and pillar of clouds, and the Spirit of God is leading you and guiding you. So when He stopped and you stopped, and he's going to be like a flame uh, when 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 he, when the night comes. And so in the same way, the spirit of God is ruling over you. That is why First Corinthians three sixteen says, "You are the temple of God, and you are the holy of holies." What does it mean that you are holy of holies? Where is it? It's the hierarchy of God from which God is ruling over all the universe. And you have now the headquarters of God for the universe in you. So when you pray to God, and when God makes decisions for all the universe, and He will let you know the same decision So when you are living with Him, and you'll be able to see how the world is going on. Why? Because the church is kind of the king that um, has the authority to rule over the world, that is natural for the church to know about God's dominion. And I cannot go deeper with you at this moment. As a regional king, the two rule over a certain district and you are not given that authority in a by chance but you know as a regional king you will negotiate with the emperor the king of kings you know, about you know the, the dominion of the certain uh, region so you let the king know, let the emperor know about the situation, and then you will receive, you know, the the opinion of the emperor, 
and if you decide something as a regional king and then need to be done, that's the process. So what I mean is that the church is regional king who will rule over all universe, but they are not under the influence of the world. That is from the book of Ephesians, from Ephesians 1. So please understand how tremendous the church is. The church has authority as a regional king. So that's the second blessings according to the, the book of Ephesians. So I bless you now. I mean, no, that is the, the, the authority as the region king. So with the spiritual authority and the spiritual authority over resources, spiritual authority of the, over the people, they, those are the authority that the church are having now. So God will let the church know about his, his decision. And Ephesians 3.16, it will even let the angel know about the decision of God. And church has authority rule over all the spiritual order from Lucifer, not just single demon. But God, God has given the, the church authority to rule over all you know, the spiritual orders from Lucifer to a single demon. So that's the thing that you know happened to you, that happened to you when you are saved. So the most important issue for your life is that, is it about you know, making a lot of money? No, no. There's no person who is more wiser than God. So you know, what is necessary for you is not to reject, not to go against uh, the authority of God, the wisdom of God. So not to just make a lot of money is not issue for you, but just to trust in Him. That's the only issue for you. So look at a lot of miracles that happened in this conference. You know, when He touches you, in the, you know, it will be finished. And throughout my 33 years of ministry, I've seen a dad, dad, had, dad became to life. And then in the last conference, God has worked miraculously for us as well. So what's the important for your life is that it's not about, you know, for you to prepare many things and to put your effort on many things. It's not about, you know, the will of God. But you know, what is important for you is to you know, secure the grace of God and, the, and not to go against you know, the will of God. And according to Galatians, Paul is describing the way that you can live with God in three ways, to walk with the Holy Spirit, to live with the Holy Spirit, to step to keep his spend step with the Holy Spirit. So let's say that I tie my legs with him and then I, I'm walking with him. So I have to keep in step with him, but let's say you know, I just want to go you know, faster than him, then we'll be you know, falling you know, down onto the ground. So what I mean is that you, know, you have to you know, get rid of all your strengths that you know you can walk with him. You can keep in step with him. Your life should be like you know the spirit is leading your life before you. 
because he is in front of you. And he knows about everything that I haven't experienced before. He knows where you, where you, where to go and what what to have and whom to meet. So he knows all all about your life. So that's what what's important for you is to you know, live according to his guidance. Guidance. So when you receive grace, you just you know wave the flags. Let's continue. So, for whom to live according to the Spirit of God? Um, you cannot be depicted in three-dimensional world, but it's reality. And you will feel that the Spirit is going before you. That is the presence of God. So, the Spirit is in you, and I am in His presence. That is the climax of the faith life. He is in me, and I am in Him. So that's the state that you know you are meeting with the Triune God continuously, dynamically. And this is from First John, and you can refer to my sermon translated into Spanish on the book of First John. So what I mean is that He is guiding me before me, and His presence is covering upon me. So if he, the presence disappears, and if you live by the Holy Spirit, and you cannot do anything without the presence, you will stop. And the most clear evidence that you are living with the Holy Spirit is that, no, if He stops, then you will stop again. So this is about being led by the Spirit. So you don't have your own plan and your own thinking and your own issue. If you maintain your method and your you know, purpose, then you will not be able to be led by the Spirit. But when the Spirit comes and when He says to you, let's go, and then you can go. And the Spirit will say to you, that, follow me, come here, follow me. But and I'm, I'm making some joke, you know, for you, but you don't smile. You don't laugh. And maybe in the end of the conference, you will laugh at my joke, you know. When the spirit comes as a the spirit of joy, and you'll be rejoicing. And I've seen a person who were laughing throughout night when the spirit of joy comes, and then as a result, you know the wounds and hurt will be you know, healed. So the second nickname of the Holy Spirit is the, the spirit of joy, because you lack the joy of God, you will seek the joy of the world. But the world is not something, you know, you know pleasant. You know, I have experienced that, you know, before meeting with Jesus. You know, I'm the person who you know, drove a sports car, you know, you know, playing in, you know, in Las Vegas. But you know, I, I realized that it's empty life. It, there's no joy in that. 
So that's why the people are seeking something stronger, so like drugs. And then you just have marijuana, and then you seek something you know stronger, and then cocaine from cocaine to crack. No, you will seek something stronger when you are addicted to drug. I know that some of you are drug, you know, addicted to drug, but you have to stop taking it. And then your past it will be nothing when you once you met with Jesus. And for me. As soon as I met with God, and I became purified, and I smoked a lot, as soon as I met with Jesus, and all nicotine came out of my body, then my lung has been purified as well. And the nicotines on my teeth were removed as soon as my, I met with God. So, no matter who you are before coming to the conference, but once you met with God, you know, you'll be changed and your past is nothing. And I know that some of you are having a problem of immorality, but you will be purified once you met with God. And before several years ago, I do ministry for a girl. And she had a problem of immorality before we get married. And I told her, told the sister. And then, and then the, I, I want you to be holy and purify the you Latin young others. No. And the brothers, special for you? You're like a climber, mountain climber. That's your tendency. That's your character. What I mean by the mountain climber is that when you occupy a certain mountain peak, you never, you know, go the mountain again. So once you, you know, conquer a sister, and then you will no longer love her. So before getting married, you have to keep the purity. But if you, you know, break the purity, and then you have to repent thoroughly, sincerely, and then going back to the case of the sister, and then she came to Jesus, and then she's about to getting married, you know, to meet with a good brother, and she confessed to me that, Pastor. Do I need to tell all immorality that I have experienced to a brother who will get married with me? Honestly. So I ask sister, did you repent sincerely? Do you remember that, you know, do you believe that you know, God will not remember your sin? And then the sister replied, yes. And then I answered the sister, you know, no, God doesn't remember. There's no reason for you to remember and to tell it to the brother. So you are purified now. And then she you know, got married and then she uh, is now having a good family. That's the love of God. So when you repent your past sin and then he will no longer remember that sins. That's the power of the blood. And anyway, and then we are dealing with the issue of righteousness. 
And then once you receive that salvation, like Abraham, when once you have the, the, the event of righteousness, what is the righteousness of God? It means that you are sinless. Why? Why is that? We are created to encounter with God. And like Adam, even now, God is meet, meeting with us. So when, when you are saved, you will have you know, the new person and old person at the same time. But the old person doesn't know about the excitement to meet with God. So, but when you maintain the state of new person, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit continuously, and actually the only the life for believer according to the Bible is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's no other options. All children of God should maintain the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And the first fullness of the Holy Spirit, we call it the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And then when you're maintaining the fullness of the Holy Spirit, I'm not saying that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit in this special event. No, in every moment of your life, you should be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Why is that? Because the Spirit is living in you. And it's impossible for you not to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Once you maintain the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and you will feel pain if you are not filled with the Holy Spirit. So when you live by faith, and it's going to be torturous for you not to be using, not to be able to use your faith. So the essence that Bible speaks, the, the shape of our life that is according to the word of God is important for you. No matter how the word is speaking to you, no matter how the religious churches are speaking to you, you don't need to think about that. And you have only the promise of God. That's a, something that you have to stick to as a children of God. So that's why your faith is much important. So maintaining the Holy Spirit, fullness of the Holy Spirit, and living by faith, that is the essence of the life of the, the children of God. Do not live according to your thinking, according to your power, and according to your plan. And like Proverbs says, you know, the life led by your own opinion will lead you to death. So that's why you have to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit thoroughly. And He has to come before you. He has to go before you. And if you are led by the Holy Spirit, there's no waste of life in you. As I will be sharing with the story of Joseph, you know, Joseph, and he became a prime minister of Egypt when he was 30, and it took only 13 years for him to become a, a from a slave to a prime minister. Why? Why so fastly he became a prime minister? Why? Because Joseph, not even a single time he rejects the dominion of God, he went against the will of God. Not even a single time he took you know, hurt and he didn't took um, unbelief. 
so he was able to go the traces that God has planned for him. And that's the reason that he came, he became a prime minister throughout the 13 years. It's not by you know his effort. It's not by his you know relationship with a certain uh, powerful person, but God. No, I mean Joseph. He didn't have any power to go against the guidance of God. And this is how you should live as well. So what's the righteousness of God? And we are now, you know, able to meet with Him. So we are continuously living with Him. And then we will be living you know, what we are receiving from Him. And around 55 AD, Paul has the most, you know, the painful time, you know, because of the church in Corinth. And out of that you know, pain and suffering, he realized one thing, and his grace you know, from that moment. And that is from you know, 2 Corinthians 4.10. You know, the reason that I'm you know, carrying the death of Jesus is because I want to make the life of Jesus manifested through me. And then he was able to reach the climax of his spirituality. And then that's why he's confessing that I die every day. And that confess was realized to him, actualized to him. So that's why we are saying that the pain and suffering is going to be beneficial for you if you are in God. So that's why in Philippians chapter 3, and because of the knowledge of Jesus, I renounce everything and I take it as a dong. And that was enabled to him and to earn Jesus and to be found in Jesus and to imitate the death of Jesus and to know about him and to know about the glory of resurrection, to know about the power of the blood. So that's why Paul's life was so dynamic that he emptied himself every day, starting with new glory. So how this became enabled to him? And he didn't take anything. And he is confessing that you know, something that he has achieved is nothing, but he just you know, focused on the, the point that he has to reach. So that was the life of Paul. So Paul lived in this life for 10 years, so in 64 AD. And when he writes a letter to Philippians, he is confessing that you know, I am, I was put in suffering, I was put in richness. But in all circumstances, I learned the secret that I can do everything in whom who gives me strength. So he doesn't need to live on his own. But what he lives, what he makes he live, live alive is the power of God, the things that comes from God. So that was the, the climax of his spirituality. But it's not limited to Paul only. God requires the same lifestyle to all of you. That's the decision of God. So how important righteousness is to meet with God and to receive you know, something from Him that you can carry on your life. No matter how you are powerful, how, no matter how you know, the fancy it is, if it's not from God, I don't receive anything from Him. So I'm living you know, what is provided from Him. So maybe it sounds too difficult for you. 
But no, it's because you have lived through the world and you have lived through religion. For a long time, you are polluted. So you cannot understand the spiritual world at one moment. And the, the, the power of flesh that you were activating, and it made you to live according to the world. So let's say that, is there any person who fasts for three days to watch a movie? No. Three days of fasting for a movie. And you guys are not, you know, laughing a lot, no? I'm joking now. And you didn't sound a tiger yesterday. And you have to start again, you know, restart. So please don't be nervous. And just open your heart widely. And let's continue. So, where are we? So where are we? Righteousness. So, I was talking about fasting. There's no person who needs to fast for three days to watch a movie, right? It shows that it's natural for you to live according to the world. And for me, you know, I, I cannot, you know, watch a movie. And if I, you know, saw a movie, you know, I will have a headache. And the saints in our church, they, you know, feel pain when they go shopping. So of course, there's some person who will watch a movie secretly, but no, no, 99% of saints of our church, they cannot watch a movie because they feel pain in there. So it's not by chance that you can you know, live naturally in the world. It's because you have accumulated the power and the power of flesh, you know. So, you know, for life of Paul and any other heroes of faith, so let's say about Daniel, and it was not by chance that Daniel was put into the lion's den. And when he was a teenager, and he decided that he will, pure, he will make his soul purify, and he refused everything, even the feast of king. And he was wanting to live by faith. And from there, Daniel's glory has begun. And then later, he was able to obtain the power to move all the kings of the territories. So now you have to decide, make a decision, not to live by the flesh, not to live by the world. Now I will live by God only. You have to make decision about that. So that's the decision you will need to make. And then God will make your life glorious like Daniel's. So what's the important is that, you know, 
the poor was able to find and Daniel was able to find, you know, and then they w were able to find the glory of God. But you know, what is tremendous is that you know, not themselves, but God, who made them glorious. So only God. And then through God, you can live the same way. That's the decision of God for you, each one of you. So please decide not to live this flesh life any longer. And I will live by the Spirit. That's, that should be your decision. So the reason that God has given you that privilege and dignity, and He gave you holiness, and that is an amazing thing. And the holiness, that applies to God only, but how he called you, I am holy, so you are holy. So he gave you the holiness of God. And that's a part of his life. So how tremendous it is. And 33 years before you know, I met with Jesus, and I have realized what the holiness of God is. When you receive holiness by faith, what will happen to you is that you will be separated from the world. You will be separated from what is not holy. The holiness will begin from separation. Separation from the world. Separation from, you know, filthy things of the world on holiness. And the holiness means that you are separated. When you receive the holiness of God, you will never be able to take something which is not holy that is from God. That will be the result. So I will give you an example. Let's say, you know, I had a stomach ache and diarrhea after eating a certain food. When I was in Korea before, I was a sportsman. And my seniors, they, you know, just you know, tend to spank me and they made me drinking a certain alcohol certain alcoholic beverage. So because of that you know, painful experience to be spanked, you know, now it was so, you know, difficult for me to even smell that liquid. Of course, I'm not drinking. And so that is the reason that, you know, I start to, I began to you know, hate that, you know, liquid, alcoholic liquid. So in the same way, once you receive holiness of God, it's going to be torturous for you to receive something which is not from God. So, when you have some problem after eating a certain food, and you no longer be wanting to eat that same food, again, I'm not saying that you have to do it by yourself to be separate from that unholy things, but when once you receive the holiness, you know that is going to be the natural consequence for you to be separate from which is not unholy, which is not holy. So, like the football games and the things of the world and the movies, and that will become, you know, painful to you once you receive the holiness of God. That is how the holiness of God is working to you.
And I want all of you to receive the holiness of God. The, the love of God, that is a holy love. No one can imitate it. And once you receive it, you know that that's the love of God. And that's the only love, that's the unique love all over the world. And then you will taste it and you will know that it's from God. Because God is the only God. And his God is unlimited. His love is unlimited. And your girlfriend, your father, and you'll never say that God's love is similar to uh, that kind of love. The love of your girlfriend, the love of your father. No, no, never. Once you receive the love of God, and then you'll know that that's love of God, and that that will heal you, you know, no matter what kind of wound you have. And there's a person, I, do, I did ministry, you know, for whom, and then she was... You know, she experienced sexual you know, harassment from when she was young. So it was done by her uncle, and, and she made decision to kill her uncle when she grows up. So because of that kind of anger, you know, she was not able to live normally. You know, she had a lot of pains on her body, and then she met with Jesus, and then she received the love of God, and all hurt and wounds were healed. And then she decided to embrace his un her uncle again. That is the love of God, how it is working. And you also have that love as well. And the love is everlasting. And the love of God is holy. And that's the only power. And that is the holy wisdom. And wisdom. And then the Holy God has called you to be here, and He will give you holiness. And when you, once you receive holiness, and you will be you know, separate from the world continuously. So, you know, I'm talking about righteousness. It, it seems that we'll be dealing with Abraham throughout the conference. So it's important you know, for me to share something basic. Basics. So let's continue. So how this righteousness you know, confirm to you? It's because of the cross of Jesus. Jesus came to earth uh, as human being, just same as you. That's, 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 so the Bible, you know, uses the Greek word sarx. Sarx means that sarx itself is not sin, but the only thing that the sarx can do is to absorb the power of sin. So if you don't do anything on sarx, your sarx, and then even Jesus will, would, you know, do sin. But Jesus emptied himself thoroughly. And he relied on the Holy Spirit thoroughly that he rejects all the impulse of the Sarks. So he became Sarks like us. Of course, he had the identity as Son of God, but he was not able to use it. Why? Because he had to atone the human sins that you know, he had to be the same as human beings. 
and then by his resurrection and he was able to break the all the chains of Satan and but when he lives with the divine nature it's not going to be possible and then because he's a human being real human being you, he can be a model of salvation for us and glorification and sanctification is something that he has achieved for us so the, the fact that we will be glorified and sanctified means that we will be like Jesus it's exactly the same as Jesus and he put you know, himself into the, the suffering of death and then after cross he is declared as a son of God so like us no when we eliminate all the fleshly desire of us and we will be able to reveal the divine power of him that is a sanctification of glorification and there is this core message throughout the book of Romans and anyway, he was the same human being as us and the representative of the humanity, John the Baptist, he imparted human sin upon him. So in the same way as Israelites imparted their sins on an animal sacrifice, and instead of them, a lamb or sheep you know, was killed. And when the blood sprinkles, you know, they repent, you know, confessing that you are dying because of me, you are killed because of me. And then they, you know, burn the, the sacrifice and then by the flagrance, you know, God will, you know, you know, receive it, you know, and then he will, you know, forgive, you know, their sins. And actually it's kind of postpone of judgment, not the, the solve of the problem of sin. So like Jesus, he took all human sin. It doesn't mean that he became a sinner, but he you know, wore the yoke of sin and then sinner. And he's killed 18. And in order that you became a sinner, you have to do it. You have to choose it by yourself. And that is uh, the condition that you became a sinner. Like Romans 6, Romans 5, you know, Adam you know, chose to, to sin by himself. All humankind chose to sin you know, by themselves. But Augustine was missed you know, the interpretation when he was interpreting Romans 5:12 that he created the concept of original sin. But that's kind of deception, that's fraud. The human doesn't die because of their original sin, but they die because of the sin they chose. So this is very important. Anyway, and it's not the sin that he had chosen, but he imparted, you know, he took all human sin. So in that blood of Jesus, you know, there's a record of DNA of human sin. And then you know that um, with the record of sin, you cannot enter into the Holy of Holies. That's why Jesus died, you know, outside the city. And carrying all the human sin, and with the cross, he died. And by the event of the cross, and then you are given righteousness. Your sins were forgiven. And then he gave you holiness. But the things doesn't stop this moment. 
and he haven't sinned, you know, even at one time, you know, when he lived through the Holy Spirit, there's a blood that has no record of the, the, the power of sin. So I, I'm talking about the entire book of Hebrews. I'm summarizing Hebrews. So after he died, he set free the righteous, you know, in the hardest. And it's about it's from the first Peter, right? When he went to Hades to set free the righteous, and before the cross of Jesus, you know, there's a separation between paradise and Hades. Of course, hell is over there. When Jesus comes again, and the paradise will be removed, and uh, for the Hades, and it's, uh, it's going to be removed after a millennial kingdom. And after his death, he went down to Hades, and he was resurrected for after three days. And the person who met with Jesus is uh, Mary. And Mary was trying to touch Jesus, Lord, but Jesus, don't touch me. I have to go to the presence of the Father. What does it mean? Is it about his ascension? No, no. After the 40 days of resurrection, he was ascended. But according to Hebrews, he went into the heavenly sanctuary with his clean blood without the record of sin. In Leviticus 16, when the day of atonement comes, And then when Israelites offer sacrifice, the record of sin will be accumulated on, on their sanctuary. So once a year, they had to cleanse and purify the sanctuary. That's the Day of Atonement. So for the Day of Atonement, they needed two sorts of blood. They needed the blood that would atone the, the sin of high priests and the people. Like Jesus died on the cross, you know, outside the city. But they need another sort of blood. That is for the high priest to enter into the Holy of Holies. And for the blood that has a record of sin, it will be sprinkled upon the east side of the sanctuary. And that blood cannot enter into the Holy of Holies because it has the record of sin. And then, no, before the Holy of Holies, and there is there was cut curtain you know, that you know, divides the sanctuary and holy of holies, and the lampstand on your left and the the bread stand bread table on your uh, right side and the incense before you, and then the high priest will hide himself with the uh, uh, incense and then entering into the holy of holies, he will carry the clean uh, blood that has no record of sin. And then the, the 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 Ark of Covenant is called Hilasterion, but it is recorded that Jesus becomes you know, Hilasterion, which means he becomes the, the the Ark of Covenant. So 
you know, by the clean blood, purified blood, you know, God will manifest Himself to you know, Israelite. Now that is uh, from Exodus 25. That is uh, the promise of God for Israelite. So in the same way, Jesus went up to the heavenly sanctuary, and what? And there's uh, the record of human sin in holy of holies, like the Israelites have done. Our record of sin is accumulated in the Holy of Holies in the heavenly tabernacle. And then with the, the clean blood, without the record of sin, He has erased all the record of human sin. So that's why we are called existentially righteous. What does it mean? And you will be righteous even in the moment of doing sin. So let's say he's my son, and he's done a, a sin. So would I reject him? And he's done something good. And would I receive him? No, that's not normal father do. So when you sin, even at the moment of your sinning, you will be called as a, the sons of God. And then he raised, our Lord raised, he raised all the record of sin that you will have no record of sin any longer. And Hebrews 9 says, we are allowed to enter into that Holy of Holies Jesus, where Jesus entered, even when you are praying. And the same thing happens, actually. And the last conference for pastors last week, and on Wednesday, the glory of Holy of Holies has covered all the you know, people over here. Uh, I mean, what I mean is that you can enter the same sanctuary, same Holy of Holies that, you know, that should be the place you know, for you to live in. So like your worship, your prayer, you know, should be done in the Holy of Holies. That is from Hebrews. So you are allowed to enter into the Holy of Holies. So you are existentially righteous. But for Israelite, you know, what's the climax of Day of Atonement? Is that and all the things happen in the Holy of Holies that no more people cannot see what's happening inside. And the, whole, the high priest will come out of the Holy of Holies and then he will you know, testify to the people and he prepared a lamb that is called Azazel. Azazel means depart or divorce. That is from Ephesians 1.7. The same word has used. Atonement means that you are you divorce with sin. So Azazel, the, the goat called Azazel, and all sins of Israelite will be imparted on the, the goat called Azazel, and then it will send into the wilderness. And when the goat is heading to uh, the wilderness because they solve the problem of sin, and the Azazel should disappear you know, to the wilderness. And the goat should go into wilderness like that. But if if the goat comes comes back, and you know all things will be ruined. But it doesn't happen. No, not a single time. And as the, the goat disappears into the wilderness, and what the Israelite will do is that 
they will shout that no oh, Lord has not torn our sin and the defeat will start from that moment. And I went to Israel several times. And I haven't, you know, seen the, the people like that, you know, who are dancing with that the boring music. <laughs> they were dancing and singing like that with the boring music. Why shouldn't they? He's the only Spanish translator, so I cannot, you know, kick him out. So in the same way. And the fact that your record of sin is removed will lead you to a great feast. To live with the Lord is that you are enjoying that excitement of righteousness. But there's another problem. We are existentially righteous. And our record of sin is removed. But in reality, we are sinning still. So how, how should we do? And although you are sinning, but there's no record of sin, you will not be put into hell. But among the, the function of your spirit, there's a, a function called conscience that is connected to the law. So when you are sinning, you know, there will be a list of sin on your conscience. So when you sin repeatedly a certain sin, it means that the enemy is going to utilize that sin against you. So you should not ignore the list of sin. If so, when you die, you will be standing before the judgment throne of Christ in order to you know, solve the problem of sin. And you will not be you know, put into the white throne judgment, but like First Corinthians, you will be standing before the judgment seat of Jesus. What does it mean? And I'm not, you know, 100% you know, sure, but like in the Gospel of Matthew, and there's someone who are not wearing a proper clothes before the, the feast of king, and they will be knowing and they'll be crying before and set apart from the feast of the king. And for the children of God, fundamentally speaking, they should be in the, the wedding feast of the Lamb as a bride, holy bride. But as you are maintaining the rect of sin, you cannot stand gloriously before him. Your body will be removed when you die, but your spirit will be existing still. And then when you are resurrected, and all the functions of the spirit, intellect, emotion will, will be re revived again, all the things. And your, your thinking will be revived as well. No, your thinking, your mindset is like a black box. So it records everything that you have experienced throughout your life. In, unless otherwise you cleanse your thinking with the blood of Jesus, all the record of sin will be you know, present, you know, present in, the, in your conscience. So, so when you are resurrected, you know, your 
your body will change slowly, but you know, all the, the record, all the spirit, and all the, the function of the spirit will be still there. So that's why in 1 Corinthians 15, the Paul is saying that I want to be resurrected in the, the, the most glorious shape, you know, not the, the resurrection that is, been, uh, that is darkened. So that is why the Paul is saying about different sorts of glory, like the glory of stars, glory of the moon. But we should be resurrected in the most glorious shape. But as long as you are having the list of sin on your conscience, you will not reach it to that moment. So, so the holy blood that has raised, erased the files of sin, in Hebrews 10, now it is sprinkled upon our heart that we are existentially righteous. Now what we need is just to repent once we sin. And by the power of the blood of Jesus, when you repent, what happens to you is that the power of sin, the ability of sin will be removed as well. As First John says, and you and your sin will be removed and then he will purify you from all sorts of evil. So as you are repenting more and more, you will become purified more and more. So when you are repenting, no, you will not just be forgiven, but the, you will be sinless, totally sinless. And like according to uh, Hebrews 10, 17, he will not remember your sin any longer. So by the same power of the blood of Jesus in you and your record of sin will be removed and then the power of blood will be with you forever and then when you repent with the blood of Jesus and he will never remember your sin any longer. Which means that the power and influence of sin will be removed as well. So let's talk about David. But why David is so great before the Lord? And there are many reasons. But there's no person like David who repented deeply like David. So how deep was his repentance? And once he repented, he didn't do the same sin with the power of blood once. And the power and influence of the sin has removed. And when once you repented, repent deeply, you will be like David as well. So I'm talking about righteousness. That's the righteousness. And it's kind of legal authority that you will be able to meet with God. And you are allowed to enter into the heavenly sanctuary. And as a essentially righteous people, you are able to remove all the power and record of sin once you repent. So like First John 5:18. So what came to us is the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and the power of the blood. These three are one. What we mean by one is that they are directing the same direction. What does it mean? When the Holy Spirit moves, and the Word of God will move as well, and the Word of God moves, and the power of the blood will move. And these three elements are working in you in the same way, for the same direction. That's why God boldly speaks to you that 
I will make you just like me. Why is he so confident in saying that? It's because you can do something. Because he has given you these three elements in you. And this element will be the power that will transform you in the shape of God. So, your life doesn't, upon, doesn't hinge upon what you do, what you can do, what you can have. But by the, by the power of Jesus, by the power of the blood, and by the power of the word, by the power of the spirit, these three elements will transform you gloriously like that. And the reason that you cannot believe that is because you let the model around you. And the benefit of the whole early churches is that they had a lot of models of salvation. That's why they had to they were, they were able to trust in that. And but now we are entering the into a glorious season that we will be having that model, model of glorification. And God is going to do a great work for you by the blood, by the, the word, by the spirit. And these three are working in you. And He will make you, they will make you like Jesus. Like day of day of atonement in Israel, right? And uh, the sons of God who are righteous will be feasts every day. And Romans 6. It says that we die to sin. We are liberated from sin. We are escaped from sin. And we are free from sin. What does it mean? If you solve the problem of sin, then there will be no pain any longer for your life. If you solve the, the problem of sin, then, then your life is free. Believe this. Because all the pains in your life start from sin. If you solve the problem of sin, there's no reason that I'm falling down, falling away again. Why the money is still important for you? Why the people is still important for you? It's because of problem sin. Why your circumstances is problematic to you? It's because of the problem of sin. Once you solve the problem of sin, you die to sin. And then just visit the graveyard and you know, to uh, begin to talk to um, that. And several years ago, the glory of God was too strong for me that I went to a graveyard you know, to speak to all dead people over there. And guys, listen to me. But no one, no one arise you know, from the grave. Because they all are dead. If you solve the problem of sin, you will not react against sin, you, uh, re react towards sin any longer. So you should have this Simon. And your faith life should be like a feast, like in Colossians. You are given the authority to disarm the enemies. And then you will have the parade of victory. What does it mean? When the Roman army, they won victory after a battle, and all citizens will greet the army to celebrate the victory. And 
they will throw the flowers up on the soldiers. But the, the climax is that they will have some captivates and spoils from the world. That is about our life in Jesus and disarming enemies, obtaining the spoils of victory and making a parade, parade of victory. This is how life should be. This is the church of God. So when you go back to your church, you have to transform your church with the powerful power and with the excitement of righteousness. So you are dealing with the issue of righteousness. And so we are still in verse 8. This is something that happened you know, when you are saved. So by the salvation and living in the grace of God, having the world, blood, and the spirit in you, working in you, and maintaining the excitement of being righteous, and praying continuously, and having the power of the faith, and living with God, in a certain moment, you will become like Jesus. And this work of God has begun in you. In this age, we have the great speed of darkness. It is being accelerated. But what is thankful is that for remnants, the speed of holiness is now increasing. Like 22 Revelation. In the end time, those who are in darkness, they will become darker and darker. And those who are pure, they will be purified more and more. So that's what God is doing for the remnants now. And the speed of holiness will be even more quicker than the speed of darkness. I've been living with God in the for last 33 years, but this is something that I have never experienced before. So that's why you have to go deeper into the fellowship of God, that the glory of God will you know, be poured upon you. And soon, by soon, and then you will see the, 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 the signs and wonder by the word of God. And then the fire will come from heaven upon the enemy. And then you will have manna again. And then the Red Sea will split it again. And there will be some miracles and wonders in this nature world. And God is now preparing this glorious season for remnant. And I want you to be a hero in this new season. So let's continue. We have to finish the story of Abraham. And verse 8. So we share a theme of obedience yesterday. And Abraham received righteousness and promised by faith he can obey. And he went even though he didn't know where he was going. And he left his father and his hometown. And he didn't know where to go. And he didn't know what to happen. But by the order of God, he had faith in it and he left. So what is the faith according to Hebrews? Just believe it and then go. And God will let you know. And 
but the world they they persisted they insisted you should know you should know by yourself you should know on your own but it's not how you live with God God is the only one who is perfect you know, what you need is just to put trust put your trust in him so when you are living with God and what is important for you is the will of God and you will go if he goes so uh, I, I share the testimony of a church and businessmen in our churches and they don't prepare you know to run a business and I just order them to start a business and they are not prepared yet but they just start but you know in the first year of their business they were able to earn three million dollars it's not that you are preparing something for business only God prepares something to you so it's, it's a life with grace of God and that is the important thing for you so our life is about you know obeying him and you know, trusting in him it's not about preparing something by ourselves so so like the playing the music you are not you know playing the music according to a certain theory but you know with the anointing you can play the music so what happened next is that and you will under you will you know, feel that God is now wanting something you know honoring him and then you will lead the worship in that way and then when God wants some speech warfare you will you know the play the music according to the will of God so that's why you know when you are playing the music in the worshiping according to anointing and you will experience healing and deliverance as well and it's not that you know you should you know enjoy you know, fleshly you should make the you know, people enjoy but you know, the worship should be you no know, offer to God primarily and that is the, the, the worship you know by the anointing of the Holy Spirit that's why I'm, I'm emphasizing you know you know you should do anything by the anointing I bless you the worship team in Latin America that you know even demon will be cast away through your worship you know, the, the people will repent through your worship so the worship teams you should pray you know, you know much more than any other people you know, it's not done by your technique but you have to be led by the Spirit. And I'm sharing a very important story. This is how we live with God. And you believe and then you go. And it's not that you know, then you go. So you have to break all the, the, the Hellenistic way of thinking. And if you believe and if you go, and then He will let you know afterwards. So that's why the human thinking will lead you to death. And don't try to prepare something by yourself. And that will lead you to humanism. Humanism is connected to the religion. Religion connects to the spirit of the law. And as you are, you know, circulating this way, you will be tired. You will feel the limitation. 
and there's no cross and there's no new things come to you. So that's why I'm emphasizing that you should follow the anointing. That's the only way. And if you are you know, praising Him in this way, and then God will receive your songs of praise. No matter how, how, how great and how fantastic your worship is, if God rejects, that's meaningless. That's going to be just purely show. And there will be entertainment you know, you know, for the people. But that's not something that we are intending to do. So, in Psalms, when David was you know, praising God in the tabernacle, and when David is praising songs, and all the angels in the universe, they praise God all together. Why? Why is that? Because of the anointing that poured upon David, and the authority of praise has moved all the angels of the universe. And among the angels, and there's angels who are praising God. And I sometimes hear the sounds of the praising angels. And have you heard the sounds of the angels praising? And the beat and music of human world is different from the music of heaven. You know, in the, the music of human world, they have certain rule, right? And a certain beat, like 16 beats or seven, no, 32. But the spiritual world, when angels are praising, they have their own beat, you know, each one of them, for each one of them. No, each angel has their own original beats and their own sire. But what is amazing is that when we gather the sound all together, there's no beautiful harmony like that. And long before, and a person recorded the sounds of nature and he mixed it together. And dolphin and animal and people and the sounds of wind. And he recorded all the sounds and he mixed it one. And then he was able to have most beautiful sounds like that. You know, the kingdom of God doesn't move according to the beat of human music. But what is important is that I'm not saying that, you know, that you have to do it on your own, on your own style. But you know, most important thing is that those who are play, playing the mu musical instrument, those who are singing, and they should, all of them, they should have the anointing, you know, each one of them. <laughs> so, for instance, I'm playing the cymbal, right? I'm hitting the cymbal, and the sound of cymbal, you know, demons is fond of that sound. So without anointing, you hit the cymbal. I'm sorry to say this, but demon will be working. But those who have anointing, if I hit the cymbal, and the cymbal, the sound of cymbal will make the demons tremble. So when I'm doing spiritual warfare in Korea, I used to play the drums. Because with the sound of drum, the angels will be moving. 
But without anointing, if you hit the drums, and then the demon will be you know, playing all together. So this is the beat of the heaven. So what is important is that who is playing the music. So if you are smoking and then you will play the music and then the, 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 the flavor and the, 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 the smells of smoking will be you know, flowing from you. And if you have severe wound and you will sing a song, then the same hurt will be flowing from you. There's a, a kid in our church who is, you know, revolutionized, you know, you know and at the moment, and Jung our the drummer, you know, when she used to smoke, and I, I could, you know, smells of the smoking, you know, while he's playing the drum. And I just want him, you know, stop playing the drum. So that's why the anointing of, you know, the worshippers are so much important. If you are rebelling against God and then you will emitting, you know, the power of rebellion from you. So please don't forget. Praise is for him, not for us. Not for human beings. Not for the crowd. So when you are rejoicing, it's not for yourself. So no matter what you are singing, the songs of praise that is offered to God, it has common character. First is reverent. Second, joy. So if you are rejoicing without reverence, that's going to be problematic. So I'm not saying that the reverence is the only thing that you have. And the, the, the songs of worship proper for God is having both joy and reverence all together. I, I, I bless all the, the praise team you know, from Costa Rica and Honduras as well. That you all can have the strong anointing when you are singing. And like when David is playing the drum and the demon-possessed person will be shaken. And this should happen to you. And God is looking for that sort of, you know, worship teams. So that's why I'm emphasizing that worship teams should be pure and holy. So before coming to the stage, and please pray at least one hour so that you can offer worship in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And when I you know, look at the flow of worship songs in the world and worshipers in the world, especially in Korea, and all of them are influenced by the spirit of immorality and without you know, any you know, exception. You know that Lucifer was originally angels who is appointed to you know, offer you know, songs of worship to God. So it's like in, when you are a worshiper, you, know, you are standing in the front line. When people are you know, excited, And among the excitement, of course, there's some honoring of God. 
But, you know, I could find some the flow of the spirit of morality you know, toward the worshippers. So that's why you know, they you know, fall away you know, because of the spirit of morality. You know, Edward, like Brother Edward, who is handsome, and you are danger. You are in danger. Because of your father, you are handsome. So for me, I have no problem. There's no element that you like me, right? I, I tend to be humble, right? So let's, let's continue. So I'm, taking, I'm talking about Hellenist way of thinking. So the worshippers in this age, they move according to the Hellenist way of thinking. They try to compare and prepare everything perfectly. But what is important for you is the anointing of God. God is only the perfect, so rely on himself. Let's go to verse 9. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. And there's a reference to land in verse 8, and there's also a reference to land in verse 9. But those verses are using different Greek words. And intentionally, the writer of Hebrews, he's using different words. In verse 8, it refers to the land of Canaan, right? But what is the promised land in verse 9? And it is mentioned that you no know, heirs with him of the same promise. So it's evident that you know, what is refer, ref, referred to here is not the land of Canaan, but it's going to be inheritance, promised inheritance. In, a, in, a conclusion, in conclusion, it, it refers to, it points to the kingdom of God. So when Abraham received the promise, and his ultimate destination was not the land of Canaan, but this was not. And verse 13, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. So God ordered them to leave their hometown. Then they lived, left. And then God promised that I will give you the promised land as your inheritance. But if the land of Canaan was the ultimate inheritance for them, they were settled. They should have settled in there. But, you know, Abraham and his descendants, they, they choose to live in the tabernacle tent because the land of Canaan was not ultimate destination, final destination for them. But their promised land is the kingdom of God. So living owners, Abraham was living like a stranger. He lived in a tent. You know, Abraham was so great rich that he could, you know, have a lot of money. He has no reason to live in a tent. In the time of Abraham, in a Chaldean, 
and there's huge library that can contain 50,000 books. And a great rich, Abraham as a great rich, she was able to build a huge building for him. But their original destination was not this land. I'm, I'm speaking something very important for you. So uh, the, the, the goal of your face life is not to make something in this earth. Your face life without eternity is nothing. If your goal of your face life is this earth, and then your, your, your life is in vain. Our goal is about the kingdom of God, eternal kingdom. Throughout the history of Christianity, when the churches are corrupted, you know, there's a common point that you know, they lack eternity in the church. But when the church was glorious in any age, and then the church was able to have eternity in them because of eternity. They didn't move by the world. They didn't, you know, have satisfaction from the world. They didn't, you know, live according to the requirement of the world. So what is your goal? What is your purpose? Is to have a good job? Is it to make a lot of money? Is it to get married to a certain you know, spouse? No. No, it can happen or not. And that's not a big problem for you. But if the kingdom of God is your inheritance, and when the kingdom comes, you know, you have to be standing you know, before him gloriously. That is uh, the, the goal of your faith life, that you should prepare yourself for that eternal moment. So when Abraham was asked, he, 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 he received the promise as he saw the, the glory of the, the ultimate homeland. You should you know, see the same in the glory. And uh, the danger of spirit of the world is that, that he will either try to take, your, take away from you the eternity and then either try to rob of you, the eternity, from you, the spirit of the world. That's, that's what it is doing now. By movie, by fashion, by popularity, by what you can touch, what you can see, and then very sensitive things. You know, through all these things, it tries to you know, take away from you the eternity. But you are holy people. You have to risk your life you know, for the holiness. The one reason that church will die is because it's not because they don't have money. It's not because they have no people. But when church loses holiness, it will die. And the church of God should maintain holiness. By holiness, and you can maintain your eternal life. We, without, without eternity, you will lose holiness. And without holiness, you will lose your dignity. And without you no know, dignity, you will not know, you know who God is. No. All these things are you know, flowing in one flow by the attacks of the, whole, the spirit of the world. So, so many young others, they are deceived. And I am not superior because I don't know about the world. No. There's no necessity for you to know about the world. It cannot give you the glory. And this world is not created by God. 
And if you if you live by God, you know, you will see that this, the things that the world is giving to you is nothing. So no matter where, 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 wherever I go, you know, did I you know, you know, learn Chinese, did I learn Spanish, did I learn English? Wherever I go, if God orders, I can do all ministry that God wants me to do. Because God has designed me. No, He gave me this translator. No, He gave me the people. So please don't complain that you don't have peop people in your church. I don't do computer. But that's not a problem for me. No, what I need is just God. What I need is just to have fellowship with God deeper. No, then you know, there will be no problem for me any longer. We have doctors in our church. We have professors in our church. We have some people who is you know, having a higher position in the world. But I can advise, give, give them advice, all of them, to businessmen, to doctors, to professors. Why? How? Is it because I, I studied? No, because I live through God. And he gives me wisdom. So businessmen in our church, I, I, I'm kind of chief you know, for them. But I don't receive any salary from them. Because I am giving advice to all of them. And accurately, by God, God's wisdom. That's how you live with God. And if you live with God, God is giving you everything necessary. The failure doesn't come from the fact that you don't know about the world. So I, I tend to you know, you know, speak this you know, to our young others. Please don't stick to the technique and the method of the world. That's not essential. But the, the, the young adults in this world, they try to learn many things to you know, accumulate their capacity, to enhance their capacity. capacity. So let's say that you learn some technique, and maybe after a decade, and that technique will not be so fashionable. The specs and techniques of the world you know, should be like that, and should be the same. If you put effort on them, and then the influence and the power will not last so long. But God, He supersedes time and space. And He will let you know everything. And if you can move the people and move the materials, and then you will be the person who will not be able to touch by the Babylonian system. God, that's the authority that God has given us to move the people. I don't need to do something by myself. And through me, God is moving a person, moving people. And God is moving the material through me. So only reason, the only reason that you will die is because you don't know about God. And you will experience failure because you don't know about God. That's the only secret. So what is important is for you is to put your energy for having fellowship with God. Just please don't spend your energy to know about the world you know, by faith. You know, I'm, I'm a kind of you know, elderly person who goes before you, and I have experienced the same thing that you have experienced. 
and techniques of the world should not be influential you on you continuously. But God is dealing with your eternity, and God is dealing with all the world. God knows about the principle of the world. So if you live by Him, and you will see how the world is going, you will understand about the principle that God is moving the world. Now I bless you that you will have excellent young others in this Latin America. And my sermon lasts so long. It seems that we can just finish Abraham through the conference. Just one subject. But, you know, you know Sherry, uh, let's go, you know, until when it's end. So if we can finish, and you know, we can finish, but we cannot finish, you know, we will just, you know, leave it as it were. 13, verse 13. All these people were still living by faith when they died. The promise is about the kingdom of God itself. And in chapter 11, verse 1, now faith is confidence in what we hope for, hope for. And what you hope for is the promise. And God promised that I will give my kingdom to you. And he gave me promise. But it's not real at the moment. And it says that faith is assurance about what we do not see. So we have a receipt, but we don't have the material reached yet. So when you live by faith, when you receive it by faith, promise by faith, and something will be you know, done you know, immediately, but there will be something that will not be done immediately. Why? Maybe there are various reasons behind that. Yeah, I, I may not be you know, prepared properly. Or, or the climax of God has not reached yet. Let's say you as an individual seek something. So if I am a children of God, and I'm a kind of the spiritual being, so let's say I'm seeking money, so maybe God will give him money. But if I give him money, yeah, I have to think about any other issues. And his relationship with other family members and their rush to the church and further their rush to their countries and their rush to the whole nations and their rush to all universe and maybe you will say that the pastor is too complicated but because God is the one who is ruling over the universe he has to think about all these different relationships all together and God is the one, you know, who does the things like that. And this amazing being is now encountering with you. And that's the scale of God in which God is moving. So I seek as an individual, but he will not deal with you as an individual. 
So that is why when you seek something with faith, and he's going to answer. So if I if I pray God, then God, please give me this universe, and will He give or not? He will give me with faith. He will certainly give. But I don't seek that because it's not necessary for me at the moment. And I haven't sought anything, you know, like money, because I don't need it. So if there's a conference, and I just pray God that, you know, God will have this conference, and God will, you know, give me all the necessary costs for this conference. And out of 33 years of my faith life, I firstly seek money because of the building of a new building, you know, I ask 100 million US dollars, but I don't have any doubt that God will not give me that money. But what is important for me is that, and I have confirmed you know, the relationship that if I seek something, God will give me. And that is the most important thing for me. To seek something, you know, it's not a simple thing to, for me because I know about the scale of God. And I always concerns the time of God and the direction of God. So what I'm saying to you is that you are not individual being. But you are one element you know, with which God is ruling over the whole universe. So that's why you are very precious. So think about this. So how great the universe is. Maybe, you know, you know the farthest place over here, you know, you know, is far as much as, you know, it's unlimited, you know, and in by one second, you know, the universe spans you know, three kilometers, and God is embracing this universe, and the galaxies, like you know, where you know the Earth is in, you know, will be in you know, a countless in in the whole universe. And there's a the, the star that is as as bigger as you know, ten thousand times than Earth. So the Earth is like a dust in the universe. And among the Earth, you, know, you are in Panama. And among Panamas, and you are in El Panama Hotel. And then you are in the ninth floor of the hotel. And in ninth the floor, you know, among hundreds of people, now God is focusing you, yourself. So how great God is. And the dignity of that you have. Now if you believe in that, you will see that your dignity is unlimited. And to you, God is answering, and He's going to move for you. So when you pray, God, pray to God, and He will certainly answer. But you know, according to the scale, you know, it will take time, or it will happen immediately. But you know, what is not changed is that He will give you certainty, and you have to understand how great, great His scale is. So, like you know, you have receipt, but. The thing has not come yet. So let's go to verse 39. You know, I'm talking about the promise. 
39. So the fact that you have the promise of God means that you have the word of God in you. It's the same. And I have preached about this in, in Galatians. And what the promise of God says is that you have the decrees of the King of Kings. So let's say I have the decrees of the King. And I, I say this you know, to a certain person that God and King has ordered me, ordered you to give me 5,000 horses and 100 tons of gold, and then he should give me, right? When Nehemiah, you know, he was going back to Jerusalem, he was having a decree of the king. And all people who received that decree should do according to, should do according to the decree. Like that, you know, you have the decrees of the heaven, decrees of the kingdom of God. So what you need is to, to use that decree with faith. Because the decree has the authority. What is prayer? Is that, you know, you are carrying this decree with the spirit. And God is guaranteeing the promise. And then you will receive something that is promised. That is how pro how prayer is working. So it's the encounter of your promise that you are having and that the promise of God. No. That is how prayer goes. So the fact that you have the promise of God in you, like Second Peter 1 says, you have the divine nature, promise of divine nature that is guaranteed by the divine nature and that is the power of divine nature we call the word of God Dabar Dabar means that when you proclaim the thing will happen at the same time so let there be light there is light so holding on to the promise when you pray and then the thing will happen to you it's Dabar the same authority that you have when you proclaim let there be light and that there will be light when you proclaim something according to the promise and that will happen to you so have faith have faith in that have faith in that so that is the greatness of the promise that God has given to you so 32 39 um, all these people were all commended for their faith, yet no, none of them received what they had been promised. And they have not received something had been promised. So what does it mean? And they died may, may on earth. And they are the righteous people in Old Testament. And 40, first 40. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they may be perfect. So what does we refer to? It's the, the saints in the New Testament age. And they earn something better. So what is better is the new covenant in the book of Hebrews. You know, the covenant in Old Testament is something great. But God has confirmed the promise and that he put the promise in you. 
you know, it's going to be amazing that you have the promise of God on the tablets of stone, like in Old Testament. But for the people in New Testament, you have the promise upon your heart. What does it mean? It means that you can continuously use it from yourself. And according to the prophecy in Jeremiah 31, 33, that word came to your spirit, into your mind. The truth of God in your spirit is not problematic. But the thing that we have to focus on is the promise of God in your thinking because it is mixed with many information from the world and hers and news and all these things are mixed okay, together. So in order to use the new covenant, you have to erase all this you know, wrong information by repentance using the power of the blood that the only truth system will be established in your mindset. So the reason that you have to listen from me is that it's not because of the, the truth in your spirit, but it's because of the truth in your mindset. Because the, in your mindset there are wrong information. So when you listen to me, and when, when the word proclaimed by me is met with you, you, the truth in your mindset, you will make some system. This is from Ephesians 1.14. So in your mindset, the truth system will be established only. And you already have the word of God in your mindset, but it's mixed with many other things. He cannot, you know, you know, be influential on you. It cannot be systemized, systematized. So the spirit cannot work in you. But when you are listening from me, and with faith, you have true system in your mindset. That, as a result, when we say the perfection of the new covenant, that we have the truth in our mindset and the, the truth of God in spirit, they are working all together and they will move your personality. And at the same time, it means that the spirit is ruling over you. That is the perfection of the new covenant. That is why the writer of Hebrews says that he prepares something better. So without us, they will not see perfection. So we refer to the, the saints in the New Testament, and they refer to the righteous in the Old Testament. So without the, test, the, the saint in New Testament, they will not see perfection of the promise. The, the people in the New Testament, they will perfect the new covenant with the, the word of God in them, going into glorification, going into Sabbath rest because of the word of God in them, because of the blood in them. And then you know, the, the, the righteous people in Old Testament, they have evidence, but you know, the promise is not yet reached. And they are waiting for the perfection. But as a member of Heavenly Council, and in verse chapter 12, 
Uh, there's a, a heavenly counselor and uh, who are the members you know, from 22-24. And we are have, making one community with them. We are in one flow of life. We are one body with them. So that's why the true church, true church is so much important. The true church, the genuine church is a member of the heavenly counselor. Like in my arm belongs to me. And we all are the members of the heavenly council. And so why the true church is so much important? He said, because we are the beings of the new covenant. Through the new covenant, when we are perfected, the, the righteous people in the Old Testament, they not yet received the promise. But as, as they are seeing, we are becoming entire and perfected. They will confirm that the promise that they receive is the real. As they are seeing you know, us you know, to send as an heir of God, they will you know, see that the promise of God is real. And we all are belong to the heavenly council. And in chapter 12, verse 1, so we are now having a race of faith. So when we are having a race, what happened for us is that the righteous in the Old Testament, they are cheering you. Because our victory will be their victory. So listen carefully. It's not that you are racing as an individual, but the entire heavenly council is cheering you. They are supporting you. And your race is the race of the heavenly council. And 12.1 says that you know, the, the righteous people of the old heaven, they are cheering you. Think about that. And the judge for all people, God, who is God, he is ruling over you. And we have two comforters. And Jesus is our comforter, and the Spirit is our comforter as well. And they are helping you. And then, plus, the myriads of angels are supporting us. And then, all the, the numerous people of the righteous, of the Old Testament, they are supporting you. So when the football game happens, it's important for them uh, to have the game in their own country because it's easier for them to win a victory, right? So because of the, the support from the home country, right? So actually, the support from the righteous will be powerful for us. So like, so... So, because I'm preaching about Abraham, Abraham is supporting you up. And I have seen that, you know, when I was preaching on the book of Hebrews. And at that moment, I, I preached for five hours, you know, before one person, because the Lord was receiving grace. And then I saw a mirrors of righteous. So that's why, you know, I, I was able to preach for five hours. So this does not change even at this moment. They are supporting you, clapping their hands. 
isn't it powerful? As I told you earlier, you know, the, the reason that God is born to, to proclaim that you know, He can make you like Him is because you are not individual being, but all the heavenly councils are you know, surrounding you, making you, know, you as a member of the whole community, and they are running together with you. So why we ha need to have a unity of the remnants in this end time? Because of you know, Hebrews you know, 12, we have to form a, the, the, the church. You know, out of this unity, we can become a member of the heavenly council. So maybe in the evening, so we want to pray together, holding the hands together, and there will be great powerful work of God you know, among you. When they are, when you are getting together, there's a power. When you are receiving grace and become united together, and the works of the heavenly council is now being in operation. So, so let's end the, the, the sermon. No, no, God is speaking through me. No, the, far from my you know, intention, original intention. I'm not sure you know, until when I can preach. Do we have any schedule in this afternoon? So let's have some rest in this afternoon. Now I know that some of you are still tired, so let's have some you know, break. If you know about the spiritual world, what's important for this conference is that, and you have to understand the fact that God is pouring out anointing. So that's why you have to you know, receive that anointing and then carrying this anointing to your church. And that's why you have to keep receiving the anointing. And we are doing ministry for you continuously. And we are proclaiming the word of God continuously. And all these are being imparted upon you. So I want to be I want you to be transformed thoroughly. And you're totally new being. And from my intention. It's not my intention, but it's the intention of God. And you know that uh, you have to, you know, sacrifice many you know, things, you know, to become here. You know, I'm a very busy pastor, and I have to travel all around the world. But I came here only for you, only for you. You know. Because God loves you so much, He, you know, wanted to open this conference for you. So you are a precious being to enjoy all these precious things, blessings from the heaven. So we are spending a lot of resources. So you are here. So that's why you must encounter with God. Desire. And long for, if you are desiring, you will be able to meet with God deeper.
so please have a good rest in the afternoon. So please don't go to pool. So you are here for the conference, so just focus on God himself. So let's glorify him together. <laughs>